Hello, friends, and welcome back to Contractor Evolution. Today's conversation is about the critical communication cadences every growing business needs. Because see, rhythmical and ritualistic meetings function like war drums for your business by providing your team with a tempo and a beat to stay in sync with. Without them, things become chaotic and you find yourself repeating the same conversation over and over and over and over and over. Brody Funk is one of our amazing Breakthrough Academy coaches, and he's used communication cadences to scale and exit his two businesses, Super Plumber and 360 Comfort. And today we dive into five different levels of ritualistic meeting. We get into annual strategic planning sessions, quarterly reviews, monthly town hall meetings, weekly L10s, and daily huddles that have to include a win the day number. So stay tuned for that. Let's dive in and learn about how to get our meeting rhythms on track with Brody Funk. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Coach Brody, it's good to see you, man. Welcome to Contractor Evolution. Hey, Benji. Thanks for having me, man. Let's dive right in. Uh, in your journey, your career, uh, when did you first realize how important these, these management rhythms and rituals are? I want to say the last five years or so of owning a business. Mm-hmm. I realized um, that maybe I wasn't the greatest at communicating effectively, and I certain, certainly wasn't amazing at holding meetings. And it seemed like all the issues that were going on in the business sort of pointed back to me and my style of communication or lack thereof. And uh, I just was constantly herding cats, and it was just very chaotic. How would you describe that communication style now in hindsight, if you reflected on it a little? Prior to this style that was sort of uh, handed to me from other people before me, uh, I would say it was reactive, uh, not planned, not thought out, uh, lack of direction, mm-hmm. you know, very like spontaneous, not great. Do you think a lot of entrepreneurs sort of underestimate um, how much they need to over communicate? Like do, uh, uh, the question is, do you I mean, you work with Breakthrough Academy, a whole bunch of different businesses. Now you've got quite a broad aggregate perspective on this. Do you see a lot of business owners kind of fall into the same pattern where they think they're really clear, but in reality, they're not? Yes. So one of the things that I'll do, Benji, when I'm dealing with a contractor and we're starting to talk about this rhythm of communication or cadence of communication is if I were to show up at your shop tomorrow and drop out of the sky and point to a high-level manager and say, what is your win-the-day number? What's most important today? 99% of the time I'm going to get it. I don't know. Mm. So most contractors I find that I'm dealing with um, are typically frustrated with the process that they're using for communication because they're just doing the same thing that I was doing. It was just like, what's what's on fire today? How do I put that fire out? What's mm-hmm. uh, Who's not performing properly? How do I go and deal with that person? And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's a very common, very common challenge to try and find a way to communicate effectively down to the employees so that they get it. 
when you look at businesses uh, that are super successful in, in any arena, you will see this common thread between all of them, which is they have pre-established and rigorously followed and exceptionally well-executed ritualistic communication in the form of meetings. And they'll do this on an annual basis. They'll do it on a quarterly basis. They'll do it monthly, weekly, even daily. It's very, very structured. And there's sort of different check-ins, different meetings, different reports that happen for those different cycles. But that seems to be something that's installed in good businesses everywhere. Have you pondered or reflected on why that is? Yeah, man. So, um, in <laughs> it's really hard to get everybody on in on the boat in your company to row the boat in the same direction. Uh, every day, every week, something comes up that is unexpected, unplanned for, and in order to effectively communicate with your team, I think it all starts with the strategic plan. Um, and, and then boiling that down, right. To bite-sized chunks on how can I, how can I get this message across to the person answering the phone, you know, from the top down, which yeah. might be your, uh, operations manager, a general manager, and to a call center manager, and to a service manager, and to a, uh, site manager. So I, I've got like I have a visual. I want you to tell me if this analogy is a good one or bad. I'm I'm re-watching Lord of the Rings right now, which by the way, if you haven't watched, if you haven't done the trilogy in like 10 or 15 years, give it a rewatch. Really, I'm it's it's it holds up. That's all I'll say. It's re, it's as good as it was when I was a teenager. And in these scenes, there's a lot of war drums. There's like often these like people banging drums as as a large, you know, whatever horde of orcs marches towards whatever. And so I looked, I was thinking about our conversation, and I looked that up last night. I was like, what's what's the function of war drums? Like in reality, not in not in Middle Earth. And uh, they use war drums to basically um, dictate the tempo of marching. So if you think of like civil war era, like we're going to battle, it's like the war drums help march at the right speed. They're actually used to help, um, to help like the reloading, like the loading and reloading and shooting. Like when they go ready, aim, fire, like they're actually used in that. And then they're also used to kind of inspire the troops and give some sound, some tempo, some uplifting energy in the environment to keep everyone sort of aligned on a goal. And I was like, you know, is is this like that? Are it was what we're, are these critical management rhythms that we're going to talk into about today? And we'll go through every level: the annual strategic plan, the quarterly review. It's all right, right the way down the line. Is you know, it's, this maybe sounds kind of cheesy, but is is this for business what war drums are for the military? Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, I love. By the way, I love that movie too, man. It's awesome. You're right. So, I. Uh, yeah, it's war drums. It's like, you know, it's the difference between amazing sports teams and mediocre ones. Mm. Like, what is the difference really? Like, you got 30 teams in the NBA or 30 teams in the NHL. And what's the difference between the team that wins and the team that comes in 10th, you know, or, or in 5th? And, like, they're really, at, on, on, on paper, they should be <laughs> just as good, right? right? But what is the difference? I, I, I truly believe it's that how are we communicating? Mm -hmm. How effective are you? How does it, does everybody get it? Mm -hmm. Does everybody understand what is important today in order for this team to win? And your team is your company. Can you describe what you see happen in businesses 
um, as specifically and granularly as possible when this is missing, either your own business experience or within businesses that you now coach. I mean, besides just using a buzzword like it's chaotic, like what sort of, I really want to twist the knife here, like what sort of stuff happens or what sort of stuff does not happen and how does that kind of trickle down to bottom line, to the stress levels for the owner, to turnover with the team, those kinds of things. Yeah, so I have I have a member that has this dialed in and and then I have some members that are working on it and then I have some members that don't have it they're just they're just grasping at it. And, and the biggest difference, I mean, other than the bottom line. Like the bottom line is a significant difference in the business that has it dialed in. But the stress level is almost non-existent for um you know, the people out in the field. Uh, the managers and the owners. Like, I'm not going to pretend there's no stress that happens. But the person, the, the businesses that I'm thinking about that are struggling with this are starting to learn the importance of uh, effective communication, a cadence of communication. The, the owners just find themselves saying the same things over and over again, and it's just not landing anywhere, right? Yeah. And, and they it's just stressful, you know, like you're just constantly frustrated with the same conversations and, and the, and then the employees don't get it either. Right. And so, yeah, there is a turnover that happens in frustration because people don't quit businesses, they quit bosses. Yeah. And if your boss is constantly frustrated with you, well, why would you stay around? Yeah. Okay. So, so let's dive into this at the annual level. And remember guys, we're going to go through this, like our sort of like framework for success would be the sort of five rhythmical uh, meetings or or systems that you're installing. It's at the annual level. It's at the quarterly, quarterly level. So once every three months, it's at the monthly level, the weekly level, and the daily. We're going to go through all five. Let's start with, um, let's start with the annual strategic plan, Brody. Uh, how do you, so what is it? How do you do yours? And then what are some best practices or advice you'd share with members who, who are you know, trying to get better at that, at that specific, uh, at that specific layer. Sure. So, um, I think it's important, number one, to do it off site, get away from the business, get away from the day to day. Um, it'll just distract you. Two is hopefully you have some KPIs and, or some, uh, financials that you can reflect upon on what, what went well last year, what didn't. And, um, three, if you even better, if you have some people that are in your industry that can, you can review it with to help you observe your blind spots. Amazing. So good. Mm -hmm. What kind of tools have you found most effective for, for that process? Sheet of paper, word document, like, uh, is, is there anything that you, you find really useful? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we use, uh, Excel spreadsheets, the MVP file at, at uh, BTA. And I mean, I would, <laughs> we, I mean, this is going to be a pitch for, for BTA, but I feel like, you know, doing an offsite, like an annual strategic review through something like BTA, where you go away and you, you sort of get in the right head space. Like, I mean, before I was in any sort of organization in my own business, and I was just a small little uh, business with maybe four or five people on my staff, I would, I, I realized the power of me leaving and um, spending a few days away. And, and just, I mean, at that point in time, it was really just me writing things down on a piece of paper. And as I got a little more 
sophisticated in the business and I had some uh, financials that I understood and I had some spreadsheets that were great tools to use and a CRM that was tracking data effectively. It just got a little more sophisticated, but I, I do, we all have blind spots. So whether that's a coach that's observing it with you afterwards or whether it's peers in your industry that are observing it with you afterwards, I think that that's a critical component that most people miss. We um, on, on top of blind spots, we also have kind of belief systems circulating uh, around this. Here's a uh, sentiment that you would have likely heard a number of times now. I certainly have. Um, you know, and it some, sounds something like this. We tried building a, an annual strategic plan and we tried setting goals, um, but, you know, like we didn't really stick to them. And, and by the end of February, they were basically in the bin and we just had to go and get it done. You know, have you have you developed any language or thoughts around how to dismantle that belief and just sort of explain this to someone so that they get why charting your course on a 12 month business cycle in a very strategic way is important and 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 sticking to that rhythm is worth the effort. The people that are struggling to build an annual business plan or don't see the value in it or see it as a waste of time. I mean, it's just like planning anything. Like if I want to go, uh, if I want to travel to LA from where I live and I want to get there as efficiently as possible, I'm going to map that out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try and plan where I'm stopping and how long I'm staying there, where I'm eating. Uh, what's the difference between that and having an annual business plan? Like if I want to get, if I'm at 1 million in sales and I want to get to 2 million in sales, I can wing it. Sure. But I'm going to run into a bunch of hurdles and challenges along the way that are unexpected. And and I'm most likely over that 12-month period of time going to lose sight of that $2 million goal, that $2 million goal, right? And why am I chasing this? And where am I? So the annual business plan is just, it's, it's a great tool to have. And it's... The main feature of it for me in my business was that like it was the roadmap. It was the big picture idea that I could share with everybody that we could sort of now start chunking down into bite sized morsels of like, how do we how do we make this real and meaningful to the employees in the business mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and take that vision that's just on a piece of paper and, and start chunking it down. And that's where the rhythm of meetings comes. So. For listeners that want to go deeper on this, speaking of pitching BTA, two things. If you want to consume so – we've done like full episodes just on the strategic planning process. They are episode 33, episode 85, and episode 88. So if you want to go back in the feed of Contract Revolution and go a little deeper just on strategic planning, you can do that. In addition – I'm going to drop a link in the description for Breakthrough Academy's one-page strategic planning tool, which uh, cer certainly isn't sort of like the be-all, end-all, um, uh, but it, it, it is a really, really great start if you have nothing and you just want kind of a structured way to collect thoughts in terms of your why, your BHAG, your long-term vision, your annual goals, your critical numbers, your quarterly rocks, et cetera, et cetera. That will just be a very um, useful guide to help you kind of put stuff on paper I, I always, you know, find something with boxes and fill in the blanks a lot less intimidating than just a, a 
blank piece of paper. So go check that out. That'll be in the description if, if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, about annual strategic planning. Between that tool and those couple other episodes I just listed off, you'll you'll have a uh, you'll have some confidence rolling into this. L- let's talk about the quarterly cycle. So. You set your trajectory on an annual basis and you're doing, in BTA lingo, we call these quarterly reviews. Can you summarize what's what's getting reviewed and then more importantly, I think, the action that's being taken out of those meetings every three months? Yeah, so quarterly reviews are wonderful for creating um, quarterly goals. And, um, you know, so take it, we're taking that annual strategic plan, we're chunking it down into a 90-day goal period of time so that we can now identify, well, like what's the most important thing that needs to happen in this 90 day period of time and come up with a few goals out of that 90 day period of time. And then out of those goals, we're typically going to have some rocks rocks or something that we'll give to individuals, uh, which is their individual. Another way of saying it would be an individual goal that they need to knock off as the most important thing in the next 90 days. So typically, again, that's going to be an offsite meeting. So the first meeting is the annual strategic plan, and you should have the leadership group there. And then 90 days later or thereabouts, we're going to be doing another offsite meeting to review how did we do on that quarter, that first quarter? What's our trajectory? How are we doing against our KPIs? Are we winning? Are we beating? Are we losing? What do we need to adjust? And we make some rocks out of it. And we have a good time. You um, get to do this now with quite a number of Breakthrough Academy members. I'm curious if when you do these meetings or review the you review their reviews, what kinds of epiphanies or aha moments happen? Can you give some examples of the types of course corrections that become really obvious at the end of Q1 or the end of Q3? Um, if you have any, any sort of like concrete examples or stories of, of, of little things that you notice and then you change course and it really makes a big difference come, come year end. I think for the newer people that I'm working with, what this is like a newer idea, it's sort of like resetting, they, they refocus and they're like, oh yeah, I had that, I had that annual goal, those numbers that were really important to me three months, six months ago. And they refocus on them. Mm. For the uh, people that are a little more senior, have been doing it a while, they're quite a bit more dialed in, they're more sophisticated, they're typically trying to beat these numbers. And, and it's exciting to like, uh, to win, you know, like it's your, it's your scorecard that you're measuring against. And like, you get excited and thrilled when you start beating it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, if you had to make 10 hires as a rock in that period of time, and you did 11 because you had the sales and you had the revenue and you had you and you have a great culture and you're attracting more people that's exciting mm-hmm. that's a wonderful feeling and a thrill so but there's also got to be stuff there's also got to be stuff that's not exciting i mean you check in at the end of q1 and you had a goal let's say you had a a a target gross profit margin of 38% and you you pull the numbers and you're sitting at 29. I mean that's that's not a thrill to find out. So, but it's also really good to know at Q1 instead of 9 months later. 100%. So I have a new member that I'm working with and he when we onboarded, uh he was very concerned about where he was, and so we started pulling some data together just to sort of, you know, we weren't really officially doing an annual plan yet. We were just trying to figure things out. And as we were building 
and compiling the information into ultimately what became an annual strategic plan. Uh, and we're doing these bi-weekly meetings with him and coming up on a quarterly review. I'm, I, you're right, to your point, I'm reminding him, hey man, like, yeah, maybe the numbers aren't exactly what you were looking for, right? But uh, you have a line of sight on this information now where you didn't before, mm. so you can make adjustments. Mm. You can pull levers and know that you're going to have a certain outcome now based on the lever you pull. Mm. So we can start to create some predictability in your business. Yeah. So the goal, the goal, the goal coming out of these these quarterly reviews would be to give the member, give the business owner some clear levers to pull, and then hopefully some practical steps to do that. If I'm using this GP example, if you had a goal of 38 and you're at 29, I'm hoping that coming out of that meeting, there's sort of three action steps that we're going to try between now and the end of next quarter that's going to boost that. Whether that be something to do with you know, job site efficiency and eliminating waste, whether it have to do with our pricing strategy or whether it has to do with like our sales process, there's going to be certain things that you're trying to do to affect that number that you don't like. Yes, sir. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. So now, okay, let's move on to the monthly level. So that's annual quarterly. If we're thinking on a monthly level, you are a big proponent of this, this monthly town hall. Walk us through a monthly town hall. Yeah. So in our own, in my business we had uh it was a very it was a service-based business and, and and installs but we had um we covered a very large area and the individuals that were out in the field spent very little time with the team so they were typically just speaking with you know maybe a, a manager and or a dispatcher on a daily basis you know if that with their even with their manager um and so it becomes very siloed and so the the, the big idea behind the town hall for us was like, let's build, let's continue to build and evolve our community and make this a fun place to work and remember, remind everybody, hey, like you're on a team. We're in a boat here together. We're actually rowing the boat, hopefully all in the same direction. And um, just bring it, bring you, bring you back home, be with your family, mm -hmm. hang out, enjoy mm -hmm. yourselves, you know. At the same time, we want to communicate, you know, where are we at with our goals uh, as a company? Because we do have goals. Do we have any new team members that we might want to introduce? Uh, do we have any birthdays that we want to celebrate? Uh, did anybody have any big wins that we want to talk about? Mm -hmm. So it's just really about bringing the people, bringing the team together and having a good time and celebrating the wins. Where do you, where do, you do them usually? At the shop? We did them at the shop, occasionally off-site, but, you know, 90% of the time we were at the shop, bringing a food truck, maybe some games, okay. have a good time. So th this is like a lighter feel than, say, like an annual, uh, like a strategic planning session or a quarterly review. This is maybe, could it's a little more casual. It's a little bit more, there's some updates, there's, there's some numbers shared, but it's more about the quality time and some good food and, and hanging out together. Totally, man. Okay. You, you mentioned something in a second ago, which is the idea of silos and people are like out in their vehicles, they're doing work. I think in your instances, they'd be sort of solo or maybe on a crew of two in a different business. They might be, they might have a larger crew. So there's maybe a little bit more socializing going on on site, but they, they could be stuck on some really, you know, tricky project that's months long or years long in some cases. What is the value of getting those trench guys or or should say trench people, men and women, like out of the trenches and like back to home base, so to speak? Why is that so important? So they, they remember that they like the people that they work with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah, you can be out in the silo for a month, you know, like, and forget, like, why am I doing this? Like, and if you, if you have a community that you feel a part of, that's huge. Mm -hmm. So reminding them, you know, it's a cultural thing. It's a community thing. It's a, it's a family, it's a hundred percent a family gathering. It's like going to Thanksgiving dinner and catching up with your family. Like, what have you been up to? How are things going? Right. Like that, that's what we're doing. Can you give like a bullet, just sort of a bullet point SOP here for someone who wanted to start doing monthly town halls? Like what day of the week? How long is it? When does it happen? You mentioned the food truck. You mentioned the update. Just kind of go through in a really structured fashion the recipe for a good monthly town hall um, that's that someone could maybe start implementing in their business. If you want to do it effectively, plan it into your business by, you know, actually budget into your business. So find out what the cost is to have everybody come together, the food costs, the, the labor costs, and, and build that into your pricing, number one. So two would be, I typically, we were doing it on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, and we were shutting down prior to noon around 11 so that everybody could be there for noon. And then it was usually about a two to three hour event, about an hour of just hanging out having a good time eating and then a little bit of announcements for about 15 minutes to 30 minutes and then some games and some more hanging out and then everybody goes home. Just chill. Nothing super structured. What did you notice after, uh, after you implemented these into your business? Was there, was there anything, uh, were there any like different results that tracked differently? Was it just sort of a feel around the office thing? Like what was the benefit? The retention was sticky. You know, mm -hmm. we just, our retention numbers with our employees went up. So turnover went down, like average, average lifetime with the company went up. Absolutely. Those are good things. Yeah. Okay. So that's a monthly town hall. On a weekly level, you're a big proponent of L10s, which is sort of a, an EOS thing. Uh, and I know you're joking offline. You're like, I didn't invent this. That's fine. You didn't invent it. But, but just this, this is a really, really good weekly leadership tool What's an L10? Who goes to it? What's the agenda? What's the purpose? Just take us through that, that rhythm. Yeah. So L10s were introduced to me about four or five years ago as well. And the purpose of it is to have an effective, powerful meeting that uh, builds traction and momentum in the business. Um, so the people that are typically showing up are going to, depending on the size of organization, is it either going to be your leadership team uh, or department level leadership teams? And they, they they last an hour and a half. Um, they come from the book. I mean, it's from the book Traction, written by Gino Wickman. And the purpose or the outcome at the end of the meeting is, well, I'll boil. Do you want me to boil? Yeah, yeah. Then? Like, give us the minute by minute agenda, just in case someone doesn't feel like going and reading Traction. Okay. <laughs> so first five minutes is everybody's just reporting wins. You know, for the first 25 minutes, we're in reporting mode. So we're just simply telling we're, we're not we're not diving in and discussing details and getting lost in the weeds like typical meetings can. That's how my typical meetings went before I started doing these. So first five minutes, everybody takes a turn to report their personal wins and business wins for the last week since we met. After that, we're reporting KPIs. Again, we're not diving into the weeds. If you're at this meeting, it's because you have a KPI to report to the group. Uh, so we're just reporting how did you do last week versus your KPI goal. And then if anybody's got any concerns, questions, issues with this, we're not going to talk about it now. We're going to put it down to the issue 
uh, discussion and solving component of the meeting, which comes later. Uh, next, we're reviewing uh, headlines. So headlines are going to be things like, hey, we had a new employee, his name is Benji. This is who Benji is, his background, and what he's going to be doing for the team. Or it might be in a customer headline like, hey, Mrs. Jones is super happy with the work that Bob did last week. Again, just reporting. Next, we're going into rocks. Um, and we're just updating on those rocks that we spoke about at the quarterly strategic plan. Where are we at with the rocks, Benji? How are we doing? Are we on track, off track? Have you been knocking off milestones, Milestones, which is just another way of boiling down the rocks into individual tasks. And so these, these is, is that the, those are the f uh, four times f five minute sections equals the first 20 minutes? Yes, sir. Um, and it, it sounds like it's quite strict around like what gets said. Like if somebody sort of wants to dive into the weeds or probe with a bunch of questions, they're sort of, cut off and asked to bring that up later. There, you, you, I could tell by the way you're describing it, it's purely just sharing and reporting, right? Am I, is, is that fair to say? Okay, so yeah. have you thought about why that's important at the beginning of a meeting? Like why it's important to just stay in fact-finding mode and truth-seeking mode before going into problem-solving mode or venting mode or ranting mode, which happens a lot in meetings. And just, there's obviously some utility to being strict about how the first 20 minutes of the meeting starts. Otherwise it wouldn't be there. And I just wonder yeah, if you so, thought about that at all. Absolutely. And to make it fun too, I want to say for those that won't read the book, but make it fun, have a rant button, you know, like if somebody is ranting to remind people, but to answer your question, there's typically going to be an alpha personality at this meeting and that I was that person sometimes at my own meetings and or there'll be a boss and that boss or that person in the meeting might want to start asking questions that they feel are a priority to them and it it just it takes the meeting's power away right and and and, and this is like we're showing up as a group as equal leaders to a round table to discuss what is most meaningful in this business this week. And it might not be what I have on my mind as the boss. So let's bring it, let's bring all the information to the table, look at it equally, and then take a moment to go through it on a list and allow somebody to bring up what issue is most important to them, mm. and discuss it until we have a solution. So I thought about this a little bit too. I think it's an exercise of getting it all out first. Like you need to have this, it's like if I'm cooking a nice meal, you have all the stuff on the counter. You don't leave it in the fridge. You have it all there ready so that you can execute well. And the meeting is like, you need to have the issues, ideas, numbers, everything out here in the open first, because without it all out, one thing that might happen, one thing that might come up, which just happened to come up before this other thing, based on where people are sitting in their seats and the order that you go around the table with, you can sort of veer off course or dive into something that seems really important. 40 minutes later, you realize that this other thing that's actually way more important that never got brought up never had any airspace for the meeting. And it's so it's all it's just like there's some discipline required in terms of getting it all out on the table so that whatever if it's three people, if it's 10 people can kind of see, uh, hey, you know, this KPI is up, this one's down. 
you know, this rock is behind this one's ahead. Like there's an ability to sort of, um, as a group in a sort of democratic way, decide on, you know, let's talk about this first, this second, this third, and find some consensus around that rather than arbitrarily jumping on the first, you know, missed KPI that hits a nerve with the leader or someone else. Totally. Yeah. You nailed it. Okay. So that that's what that disciplined opening 20 minutes is about. Five minutes of wins, business and personal. Uh, you, then you move into report card mode and you're just reporting on your KPI. So this division head has this KPI. This other one has this other KPI. You go through headlines, which are updates like new hires, perhaps sadly some fires, um, some other just like you know headline worthy things that happen in the business. And then you're doing five minutes of rocks and goals. What do you move to next in the meeting agenda of an L10? Last week's to-do list. So <clears throat> every meeting, unless you're solving the issues right in the meeting, you're going to come up with new tasks or to-dos to complete and get done by the following week. So we're going to quickly review last week's to-dos, five minutes. Again, we're not diving into the weeds. Either it's done or not done. If it's not done, then it should go back to the issue discussion and solving list. And this is where we now move into the, the biggest chunk of the meeting, which is 60 minutes of identifying, discussing, and solving the, the issues that are on this list. And it's a living list. It's, it's growing. It's, it's shrinking. Things are getting knocked off, coming on. Through the, as the meetings become more and more effective and, and a cycle starts to play out, people that are coming to this meeting are not going to bring issues to each other. They're going to put it on this list. And they're going to let it sit there until they get to the meeting and it becomes an issue that somebody selects to discuss. Mm. What do people use for that living list? I'm assuming it's not a piece of paper anymore. It's Is it an Asana board? Is it a Google Sheet thing? Are, are there certain uh, like digital tools that make for a better living list, if you will? Asana works, uh, spreadsheets work, Word docs work. Um, Bloom Growth is uh, an app that we used that works as well too. So there's some apps out there that'll that'll help make it your life easier. There's a few others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the IDS portion, and that's like the real meat of the meeting. You're saying that's sixty. You're saying that's sixty minutes. Uh, what what happens in closing to these L10s? So after we've had an opportunity to discuss and solve um, whatever's on the list. And we've created some new to-dos from that list. Now we're going to uh, wrap the meeting up. So we're going to uh, review what's uh, on the to-do list, what we've decided and tasked out to the individuals in the meeting. We're going to cascade any messages that need to be cascaded. So maybe somebody that came to the meeting now needs to go out and report something that's important from this meeting to their team. And then we're going to we're going to rate this meeting out of 10. So on a scale of one to 10, what does each person that came to the meeting rate the meeting? And this is how you know if the meeting's effective or not. So a great meetings are getting eight or more. Mm. If your meetings are on average are not getting eight or more, we got an issue and we got to dive into that and find out why are we not getting eights? Where, what's going on here? What are the reasons that are usually below? Someone ranted and took up the, all, all the airspace. The agenda wasn't followed, like stuff like that. Yeah. People may not be showing up with the information, not not ending. You know, these meetings, they should be starting on time, ending on time. They should be spending five minutes, you know, on, on each section. And yeah, to your point, people will rant. So those are typically the reasons we're getting lower ratings. 
This whole so structure. To, sorry, go ahead, Brody. Go ahead. I was going to say another way to know if we're having effective meetings too is those to-do lists. We should be having 90% or more done on a weekly basis. So if we're not knocking off 90% of those to-dos, we've got an issue. We've got to dive into that. Now, the other um, ritualistic meeting that happens on the weekly level is something in BTA terminology we call weekly GSRs. There's, another, there's a whole bunch of episodes on this in the past. Uh, so if you want to go deep on this specific type of meeting, we uh, scroll in the feed and find one. There's one with Dave Stevens. I've forgotten the number off the top of my head. Uh, take us through the the maybe just do a little bit of compare and contrast between an L10 and a weekly GSR. What's the difference and why do we need both? Okay, so um, L10s are more focused on a, a team of people um, all getting together and collaborating on the, strong, on, the, on the biggest problem that's facing the business on a week-to-week basis. And our, our uh, weekly GSRs or bi-weekly GSRs are more focused on an individual and uh, what's going on in that individual. How are they performing and how can I assist you and wh- how are the jobs that you're in charge of or what you're responsible for going. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a one-on-one. Yeah. L tends a leadership team. GSR is a one-on-one. So would it be the case uh, that a lot of the people at the L10 would then leave that L10, which let's say happens on a Monday, and they would go and do a one-on-one GSR with a hand, you know, one to three to five people, depending on how many reports they have? So what would be the case? How do you mean? Would it be the case that the people at the L10, because they're the leadership group, would then be leaving that meeting and going and doing weekly one-on-ones with the people that report to them? In other words, they're disseminating the, the, the information or the learning or the course corrections that come from the L10 in a group, and then they're kind of deploying that on a one-on-one basis with their team. Absolutely. Okay. 100%. You got it. Um, so L10s for the leadership group, weekly GSRs are one-on-ones that you do with your team. And those both occupy the weekly quadrant. You are a big proponent of this, uh, of a daily huddle and you call this the win the day number. So walk us through, walk us through this whole concept. Shout out to my buddy, Bill Raymond on this, who taught me how to use it effectively in my business. So, um, a daily huddle is just boiling down that um, <clears throat> annual strategic plan from monthly goals into weekly goals and then into daily goals. And so we are 10 to 20 minutes once a day, typically after the morning rush around 10 o'clock, you're going to have anybody that is responsible for a KPI in the business showing up to the daily huddle. And so you might, like in our business, we had our, our call center leader, uh, we had our dispatcher, we had our service managers, we had our operations managers, and our GM was typically running the meeting. And we're just reporting like, hey, how many calls were you supposed to book yesterday and how did you do versus that goal? How many, what was the revenue that the dispatcher was supposed to target yesterday and how did they do against that revenue target? What were the callbacks? How many callbacks did we run? Just like, what are your daily KPIs that have been busted down from that annual strategic plan? And, you know, if we can win the day, we're heading in the right direction towards our annual strategic goal. This could, so in order to do this well, you would have to have really good employment agreement set up for each individual, like good individual deliverables and accountabilities. You'd have to have clear KPIs for everyone, like the... 
thoughtfulness of the tracking would need to be pretty high already to install this. Could you, but I guess my question is for someone that maybe doesn't have all that dialed in yet, is there a more like ad hoc way of doing this where you're just like, I think that there's value in having daily focus, but you know, some, maybe some businesses don't have a call center. They just have like carpenters in the field and maybe those carpenters in the field don't have like super dialed in job descriptions with exact, you know, output requirements in terms of labor hours produced and efficiency and quality control. Like maybe they don't have that. Have you ever thought of a way to just kind of do this a little bit more from the hip? I know that's not the perfect answer, but for someone that wanted to give some rigidity or some structure or some tension to that daily rhythm, um, is there value in, in giving them something, even if, is it, even if it isn't perfectly dialed in from the top down? Uh, yeah, we can track produced hours for sure. We can track um, sales on a daily rhythm. We can track the leads on a daily rhythm. And that's pretty easy stuff to just figure out. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you don't have these employment agreements and everything bottled down, you know, and nailed down really tight, right? And just start there. Start with like, what was the revenue yesterday? What was, what, what is the revenue supposed to be today? Mm-hmm. How how long do these daily huddles need to be? Is it just, is it just a couple minutes? 10 minutes, 20 minutes max. It's yeah. short. Very short, very effective meetings, just reporting. And it's done divisionally yeah. usually. Like the sales will do, sales will do one, the call center yeah, will do one. Depending on the size of your company, man. Yeah, like if we, I mean, so yeah, when we were a smaller company, it was everybody was showing up together as a team. Uh, as the company grew, then the, then these became department level when they yeah. okay. uh, meetings and daily huddles. Yeah. Cool. So um, anything else you want to say about, about installing these sort of like five layers of, of management rhythms, annual, quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily, any, any closing thoughts on this conversation? Yeah, I ran a successful business. Um, my team ran a successful business and I ran effective meetings <laughs> within that successful business. Um, and, you know, like by the time everything was dialed in and it was, you know, these meetings made, were so impactful that by the time it was all dialed in, I was working about five to six hours a week mm-hmm. running my business. And it was mostly just these meetings that I was in charge of making sure that they were happening. They were so powerful in reducing my stress and the amount of time I worked on the business. Now, a lot of people hate meetings. Would you make the case that installing these uh increases or decreases the total number of meetings or total number of hours spent in meetings for a team? I would make the case, I would be willing to argue that it decreases it. Now, if they're following the guidelines that we sort of laid out here, because it is easy to get off track. Sure. Coaches help with that. Good purpose and outcomes, a good agenda, some discipline within the meeting to cut off the ranters and get back on track. This type of like top-down rhythm, I would make the case also, will reduce the number of pointless meetings. Uh, It will improve the quality of of communication. It will create a feeling, a sense of alignment and excitement and even inspiration with your team because they feel like they're all paddling in the same direction and the results will improve. So... um, 
thank you for thank you for being here today, Brody. I'll just say one thing in closing. If you guys, if you're listening to this, you want to learn how to install these, you want to work with something like Breakthrough Academy, work with a coach like Brody to do that. There will be a link in the description where you can uh, you can just click, learn a little bit more, book a call with us. This, among other things, is kind of all we do, and we do it exceptionally well for contractors. Uh, and trades business and home service businesses. So if that sounds like you and you need help with this, we are we would be a great place to start. Brody, thanks for your time today, man. Thanks, man. Talk Have to you soon. One. Take care. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Contractor Evolution. Uh, if you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it.